Welcome to Looking for the Ocean, where we talk about everything Pixar has ever made and what that means to us. I'm Danny Vincent. Yeah, today we're... Yeah. Oh. I'll let you finish the intro, never mind. I'm Danny Vincent, and as always, I'm joined by Mark Young, who you might have just heard. (laughs) And today we're really talking about everything. We're talking about some very obscure shorts that I don't think either one of us had seen before planning this all out and coming on here so i had seen okay so it's two things i had seen george and aj i thought i had told you that i had definitely seen george and aj oh I, wow i thought that was the one that no one had seen i didn't think i had seen up i mean sorry <laughs> I've seen up. Uh, i didn't think i'd seen doug special mission but as i was watching i was like okay i think i've watched this like once like half you know like kind of half watching it you know mm-hmm. but i can't give any memories for you on doug special mission even if i had seen it before but George but you and AJ, have I can. distinct memories of George and AJ? Yeah. Wow. Well, let's internet. start with that one, then. In 2009, the internet was in its infancy. But not really, because it had been around for about, what, 20 years at that point? I don't know. Mm-hmm. But. Great. I've always been into the internet. One of my first, I was originally on two websites. I was on, well, actually, no, the very first website I was ever on was TV.com, which had the message boards where it was like, list your SpongeBob episode ideas here. And I would make a Google Doc. Google Doc, a Word file where it was just every single episode in that thread. I'd be like, this is the next 100 seasons of SpongeBob. I'm a very weird kid. Um, and there was also ToonZone.net, where I used the forums, where I first used my online moncure blank mints. And then that is where I saw George and AJ, because the Up DVD was coming out, and it was put on YouTube as marketing for the iTunes release. Like, you could actually watch... I don't know if you could watch the whole thing, but you could definitely watch, like, the first minute of it on YouTube and be like, hey, buy the iTunes release, and that's where I saw. So maybe I've never seen the full thing, but I've definitely seen the first minute on YouTube several times. Because it was, You've like, a big deal. you only seen the first minute of George and AJ? Maybe. I feel like I have seen more than it, but if I have, I've only seen more than it once, if that makes sense. I wonder if it's just because the idea, like, once you reach the joke of the short, it seems so obvious that it's, like, maybe you imagined seeing it. I'm sure that you actually did, but, like, just that would explain memories of seeing the full George That's and AJ true. thing, you know? That's true. I do feel yeah. like I have seen it. I just don't know. Like, you know, I can't, I, like, other than being like, ah, the internet in its infancy for Danny. I, well, yeah. This existed yeah. online. But, yeah, we're talking about Doug's Special Mission and George and AJ. Two short films yes. that were released with Up's home, well, I don't want to say home video release because it's not like iTunes is home video, but, you know what I mean, like. Release after theaters, not physical media yeah, well, either. Well, Doug was on the DVD release, and then George and AJ came out when it was released to iTunes. It was but weren't they released exclusive. on the? But weren't they released on iTunes on at home around the same time? Yeah, like literally within a week of each other. Yeah, and now we both watched it on Disney Plus, so we watched George and AJ <laughs> without the Tom Kane commentary track where he makes some jokes. And Danny right. said it was unimportant. But, and I didn't think it was important until I saw the Wikipedia page. All right. Yeah. Here are my takes on these shorts. You ready for the, the basic right. takes and we can really break them down? Doug Special Sure. Mission. Let's let's do it. Let's do a quick... Okay, you're going to do like a quick summary of the shorts. Oh, okay. I can't. Doug Special Mission. It's a prequel to Up. All takes place on Doug's birthday. That turns out that's when he meets Carl. Wacky things ensue as Alpha tries to give him menial tasks to do and it keeps fucking them over. George and AJ... These are the guys who try to pick up Carl at the beginning of Up. 
The house flies away. They get extremely traumatized by it as copycat crimes ensue from up, from Carl taking his house off a balloon. Yeah, so George and AJ is a short that's just full of them going to other old people's houses, and then they like escape with the the how and the entire house like escapes in various ridiculous ways. Like there's a cat lady where the, like all of her cats drag the house away. And another house gets like slingshotted. I don't. I don't think there's a better idea than the cat lady, but they all have various ways of getting away from George and AJ. Who are the I, nurses? I think also the thing we need to say about George and AJ for the listeners who might not be aware is that George and AJ, although it is a short film by Pixar you can access on Disney Plus, it is mainly like storyboards that have been added, some computer animated elements added to it, so that way it isn't just story and the color added to it too yes because... well i think yeah they described it as an animatic which i think is accurate which is yes like people have seen it. storyboards and people know what storyboards are but you might know what an animatic is if you ever watch like the star wars dvds and watch the bonus features and then you saw like the cg models of the ships flying around and then maybe they would you know, it's hard to actually explain this if you don't like, because I'm thinking in terms of Premiere and like Photoshop, which people don't, you know, intuitively know how to use. But it's 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 animated storyboards. But George and AJ is really polished. It has a nice audio track, and everything's colored. And it just doesn't have um voice actors for Carl and Russell. That's the only thing that really is like the the giveaway to me that it's like oh, okay, this rather than of course the animation style though this was not the priority. Well, you know, they, instead of um the regular guys it was peter Sohn and steve purcell who did yeah. the voices pixar so, guys yeah i will say also just quickly i do think i watched a little thing because i now see an article from slash net that was uploaded at it looks like november 23rd 2009 that the whole short was put on youtube so i probably did watch the whole short of george and aj on youtube like because it was like a week after it was on itunes so it's like okay so i yeah. definitely probably watched the whole thing just saying. Mm-hmm. Just I, yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I got you. So, what you had some takes right off the bat? Doug special mission. It's you know it's the typical Pixar DVD short where it's like here's some gags that we strung together that might have fitted in the movie, but uh, in this case it's very obvious. Like no, we we struck this more so it could be a story. Um, some of the gags yeah. are funny. It's very repetitive. Doesn't have any real sense of progression until it arrives back where the movie ends. And it's like, okay, I guess that's the ending. I think George and AJ is the best Pixar short film we've seen that's based off a, a movie so far. Um, cause it has a more logical sense of progression to it. The ending gag, even though yes, it does, it's like we caught up with the movie. It's still a clever enough new thing to be funny. And there's just a lot of little funny bits in it. I just think it's, it's a good, it's a good idea. Because the thing with the Doug short is, it's really more also like comparatively between Doug and George and AJ. Doug is like, hey, it's the Doug jokes you like from the movie that are pretty much just a little bit different. Whereas George and AJ is more like, this is like the robot chicken uh, parody of what happens after all that ends. Oh, copycat crimes. We're like, okay, Mm. I'm more down for that, that premise. That's very funny and silly. And kind of a good way to make fun of Up 2 in its own way. While still, like, obviously 
trying to be canon, even though I think everyone would say, everyone at Pixar would be like, no, this short is not canon to the Doug Shorts or Carl's date. That is the actual canon of the Up Shorts. (laughs) Yeah, it's funny that they didn't, I mean, of course, it would be very expensive to make this short if they didn't do it as an animatic, but it's nice that it is an animatic so they can say, well, this is like the most deleted of deleted scenes this should not be part of the Upperverse. It's just here. <laughs> just the Upperverse is always so funny to say. I also mm. think, if I had to guess, even though I don't have, like, the BTS behind it, I have to imagine this is what was pitched. This is what, like, probably Pete Doctor would agree on. Like, yeah, this seems like a good idea. Like, this is a very fun, good idea. And then, like, the movie's marketing started, like, for the actual movie. Because, you know, these obviously these movies have, the shorts have a lot of lead time, too. It's not like they finish the movie and go, like, all right, let's do Doug's special mission. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering about they were working on this, and then, like, first trailer for Up came out with Doug, and then Doug, like, blew up, and everyone was like, Doug's great, everyone loves Doug, and, like, you know, test screens, obviously, probably Doug came back, like, pop, testing with hides, like, why don't you do a short on Doug? They're like, alright, probably, we'll do a short on Doug instead. And But this was already kind of done. You know, like, the animatic was probably yeah. already done. They're like, And, well, and you might be kind of saying this, but... Well, I don't know if you are saying this. It's interesting that Doug would like test well, and then they're like, oh my gosh, we need more Doug. And then yet when I was watching the Doug short, I'm like, oh my God, more of this shit. Like, that, that, That's <laughs> the, my whole thing is like, there are some good funny stuff in it, but it's just, it gets back to that thing where I was talking about the help episode where I was just getting so annoyed with how the dogs act too human. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> even like- Yeah, this breaks, all the, all the dog human rules are- most egregious to me, at least in this short. Just the idea of these dogs caring about their birthday is just—I I just can't. I can't go because again, it's like one of those things where we said this in our episode, but like the whole joke of Doug and what makes Doug work when he does work is that he is just a dog that speaks. So the idea of adding all these human characters, like he cares about his birthday, he wants to be wished happy birthday. These dogs mm-hmm. are. I don't know, there's one thing, Al- I wish I'd taken a note, there's one thing Alpha did in this short that got me so, like, an irked and annoyed that I was just like, ugh. Or, like, I'm going to tell... What was that? I don't, no, I don't know what it was, but that's what, but I, maybe it's just also, like, that the ending is like, ooh, I'm telling on you, it's just like, this is dumb. <laughs> I think yeah. that might have just been the last straw of him being like, I'm telling on you, ooh, Doug's gonna get it. I'm like, dogs do not talk like this. <laughs> Yeah, it's especially frustrating because I think that's actually a pretty good limit to set yourself. Like, they are talking dogs, and that is it. I even think that things like dogs flying planes and dogs cooking can exist in a world where the rule is that they're dogs for that can talk for some reason. I mean, I you know, it could... See the thing with the do- it could need a meant- little bit more explanation, but I meant to mention that in our up episode. But I do actually like the stuff with the dogs either cooking or taking their menu, because it's specifically like the reveal that one they have hot dogs on, on the, just so that way if they have kids show up, I guess. Because <laughs> like you know like, but also like the the whole payoff to that is like the dogs still try to eat his hot dog, right? So like that to me is yeah. like okay, yeah, sure. Like the joke is that these dogs still want to steal your food even if they make it for you. Like I think that's funny. Yeah, that well, works. And, I, and I think that it, it totally comes from the con, the assumption that dogs are loyal. So if Muntz tells them to do things and trains them, then you can definitely have these dogs doing these things. And you could set it up like the beginning of the Pee-wee, Pee-wee's Big Adventure movie. 
you know, where they have all this ridiculous shit that makes dogs able to do these things. It could be like cars or something. I don't know. That's not really what is needed for this short. I'm just saying that there's a world where the dog thing works in Up. But yeah, that, I mean, that was my big issue with the Doug short, is it's like the same shit that was like kind of funny from Up, and it also, as you said, it just breaks more rules. I also think what was frustrating for me about the Doug short is that, um, I don't know how to categorize this exactly, but it seems weird that Doug is not responsible for everything bad that happens to the other dogs. It's just luck. He's just a lot kind of, of yeah, he's just it's just luck. So like what does this say about Doug as a character? It says nothing because he's just like he just has bad luck. Well and you, really you know Doug has good luck. Everyone else says that. Because Doug gets out well, of yeah. these scenarios confused by what happened. <laughs> but you can imagine Doug creating issues because of his earnestness or his, like, literal-mindedness ab about his instructions, and it just doesn't happen, and it's just like, why? It just, it seems like they were focused more on the environment than on Doug, and I think that is, I don't know, just not satisfying to me. Yeah, I'd agree. I only really liked also the... Like the moment at the end where he sees the rock and he goes, it's a man. It's a rock shaped like a man. Oh, it is a man. And I kind of like the like little mirror, you know, of what Carl and yeah. Russell are doing. But I, I don't know, you know, I do think like it's one of those things where it's like this just, you, you, everything you're saying is right. Every, this just exemplifies all the issues with the dog concept of up. And then it doesn't really even do anything with like the idea of these people hate Doug because he's a bad soldier. He's not. He's, he's like, they, they, it reminds me of when I worked mm. at Starbucks. That's what this entire shirt reminds me of. What on earth do you mean? Well, let me tell you my tragic backstory of when I worked at Starbucks. <laughs> no, uh, Mark was actually... Well, actually, you should remember. You were there, too. Um, but uh, <laughs> What? I don't <laughs> remember the you summer, working at the, Starbucks. I know we the, knew a lot of people who did, but... This was the summer of college when you were at... Um, summer playhouse and i was just chilling at my house after i graduated mm. and you and, worked at starbucks yeah for that month huh it, it was the starbucks and the kroger and they were like all right danny after a month of you being here you're gonna have to pass the test of being able to make the drinks quick enough so i'm like okay that sounds good to me and then every time i went to work i was like are you gonna put me in drinks so like actually no we need you on register to get the people going because you're good on register i'm like okay that's fine you know like i'll do my job i'm, I'm new here that's fine and then about three or four weeks in they give me the test on making drinks and obviously i fail because i've made these drinks maybe three times total in my three weeks there because they always put me on register and then the, mm. the next day i get called up to the kroger office like we're, re we're reassigning you to bagging and i'm like what the <laughs> how was i Oof. supposed to pass that if no one gave me Whoa. a shot <laughs> And then I quit that. <laughs> that after, fucking sucks. Yeah, and I quit that after one shift of bagging. Mm -hmm. and, the, and the thing that I always remember about when I tried to quit with the, like, I was like, I just can't do this. I'm a person who needs to do a job where I interact with people, right? That's why I like the Starbucks job. Because even if you're making drinks, you're still interacting with people when you're handing your drink over. And also, I was always on register, so it's like I still was interacting with people. Being on bagging mm -hmm. is like, JK, you have to just play Tetris and 
Yeah. I'm always really bad at bagging my groceries anyway. So, like, the idea of me doing this, like, was insane to me. And then I was there, like, but the thing I remember was when I tried to quit, the manager was like, well, actually, Danny, the thing you need to know is, is that if you're in, if you're a bagging, that's the single most important job you have interacting with people, because the last person, the guest, the, the customer sees when they're leaving the store is you handing the bag over and saying, thank you, have a nice day. I'm like, yeah, that's bullshit. I'm a customer. I've been I a customer. Can, like, I don't, that. I don't do that. So the way I describe it is I got fired from Starbucks, but I quit Kroger, but actually on my resume, obviously if I was to put on my resume, which I don't, it was like a three week stint, but it'd be like, I quit this entire place. Although, well, it's it looks bad you quit a place after a month too. No, I mean, I don't know. You had a summer job and I do, it's, it's valuable to say that you were a cashier. People do value that, but yeah. I enjoyed my job for the three weeks I had it. And then it was like, JK, we're having you back. Anyway, mm-hmm. that's what I feel like this is. is like We're told Doug is this really bad person at being a soldier, but like we never see him giving a shot to be one, so it's like, well... I mean, we can we obviously can tell he's not that smart, but like, is Delroy Lindo and the other dogs smart? Alpha's the only one who seems smart, but even Alpha seems like... Alpha seems like an idiot, too, just because like he always breaks his collar. <laughs> like, that's yeah, well, I'll... Alpha also talks like Doug, which I don't really mind. I think it's I think it's not funny. I feel like it's it's trying so hard to be funny, but I I don't I don't know. Alpha talks. What was I saying just now? Alpha talks like Doug, and I kind of accept that they all have dog speak. You know. Yeah. They're all like a level of dumb because they're dogs, but then of course there's all the other stuff we talked about earlier. But yeah. I like the part where yeah. they're on the rock and it's like the most pure like luck gag of it. Where it's like, Doug, go stand on that rock. He jumps off where they're standing from and it just starts falling apart. I'm like, okay. I'm really starting to see what maybe you were annoyed about when, when we watched Monsters, Inc. That short about the car. And it's yeah. just like, what is this? And now I'm starting to see that you're right, that it is just like, oh, well, this is a gag short that we put on the DVD, and there you go. Enjoy. Which is why I think George and AJ is better, because it's a gag short that has, like, a clever gag. Compared to the, yeah, uh, I, compared to just Doug doing dumb gag. things. What? Uh, it's, um, it's a clever gag. I think that it's a little... It's frustrating that I don't know it just seems so obvious to me like once you give yourself permission to say that Carl is not the only person in the apparently real up world where people can <laughs> like you know look at the news and do things I think that's what's so frustrating to me about is is all of that is that like I don't think up should exist in a real world it should just be like well, a bunch of symbols. That's why it feels like it. It is like to me like this is. No, I, mean, I don't know. Do you remember the Cartoon Network Mad show that was on for like a couple years? Yeah, I that's do what this feels like. To me. This it. feels like this feels like a little like short they'd have on there. It's like yeah, oh, wow, it, it's a so bit more right. sincere than that. But like, because to me, yes, it goes into that gag where it's just other senior citizens try to escape and take their houses with them. But I do kind of like the beginning of it where it's like. First, we're going to reveal where Russell was actually under this house, which I think is fun. Um, mm-hmm. I did then, like that. 
But then also it's like cuts to a news report of, them, of people talking about this house just went away. I think the idea of like putting the reality of a news report over the events of Op is kind of just funny in and of itself. <laughs> like, imagine making a news report trying to be like, yeah, so there was a house here and there were balloons and it took off. We're with the witnesses here. Just inherently yeah. to me, that's you can tell I'm laughing at that. I just think it's really funny. So yeah, and maybe there is in the animatic they have that maybe your kind of what your Wi-Fi froze. Did my Wi-Fi freeze? Did my check. Wi-Fi freeze? Hello. Oh, sorry, I was texting someone, which is more important than recording with you. I'm joking. I was just asking if the uh, remnants a, a Western. Yes. Disagree. Why not? Okay. Well, to quickly, if you actually want to keep this in the episode, you can't. <laughs> it's up to you. I, I play the letterbox well, I game. Think, I was... think we're about to hit 30 minutes and finish. So what's the revenant about? Well, well, I play the letterbox game now with someone else because I miss it on this show. And I watched okay. the Treasure of Sierra Madre last night. So the letterbox game for that is There Will Be Blood, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, No Country for Old Men, The Assassination of Jesse James by the Coward Robert Ford and The Revenant. And... They're like, all oh, those are Westerns. I'm like, I mean, I don't know. I feel like There Will Be Blood is like the giveaway to the being Treasure Sierra Madre. And I think that besides the good, the bad, the ugly, all these are, well, besides, like, I mean, No Country for Old Men and Assassination of Jesse James kind of like imply like something more complicated than just a John Wayne Western or like a Clint Eastwood Western. Anyway. Well, I think The Revenant is a Western in the way that a lot of, I don't want to say all Westerns. I'm like, oh, I'm the genre scholar, whatever. I think that a lot of Westerns are about the confrontation with the frontier. And I think, you know, The Revenant is definitely about that. So it's it's kind of saying, like, John Jeremiah Johnson, like, isn't a Western because it's just about him surviving. It's like, eh, it's, it's about, like, it's about frontier dudes getting by. I'd call that westernish when did you when did i cut off by the way when we were recording early i don't remember i was I, talking about the news report something. and how i like it and i started yeah. giggling while i was explaining why i like it oh you were talking about the news report and how it was like mad oh so you heard everything good yeah, Do you have yeah a response yeah. uh i think it's very clever of you to say that it was like the mad show i think that really illuminates the like how this short was conceived and made that just makes a lot of sense I think that there's an interesting transition thing that has when um, George and AJ are driving away from the up house, we only see their terrified faces and then it's them just staring straight ahead past the camera and then the background changes as they're driving away and then sleeping in their beds. I thought that was I thought that was fun, but I also find it as boring. Well, I'm I've been trying to be not mean about people um <laughs> but anyway that was something that i found interesting about it it's like oh this because this is animation it's very easy for us to do this transition effect where the background changes so that was something i did appreciate about the george and aj short i think it's a fun thought experiment to say what do you think the house gag should be if in this weird world you know because I feel like we're missing one where it, like, becomes a boat. And... There's one where they become a boat. Oh, is that the... The, the one where, like, the balloons, thing? like, inflate under it. Oh, okay. Well, there's a boat one. I was thinking so... for some reason... I don't know how you do it, but I don't know why. Well, it's... Okay, I know why. Because it's, like, a generic old person, like, sport. But I was thinking maybe one where, like, they become a bowling ball. 
Like it just becomes a giant, or like it rolls around on a bowling ball. Mm-hmm. I thought that was the one that was. I just kept thinking, like, I feel like there's gotta be a joke here about bowling somewhere. I don't know why, <laughs> but that's immediately where I was like, like bowling. I've, I've <laughs> there could be one where it, like a tree grows under it or something like that. Yeah. Or like the house grows. I like the drill. Or something. The drill. But the yeah. drill should have like made it. The if this was a full short. I think the drill would be better if they like implied this guy was a dentist earlier in life, and so that's why he has this giant drill, <laughs> like, yeah. something like that. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I guess that was part of like the pitch for this is like just just come up with a bunch of ideas about houses and things like that. But I think that's kind of my frustration with the short is it's just like let's just make a list of funny shit. We'll pick the funniest shit, put it in the short. There you go. But it's I think like, it does succeed. But it's also, like, not not that funny. I mean, but I think it succeeds more than Doug's Special Mission. I also think it succeeds more than Mike's New Car, Jack Chick Attack. I'm trying to think what other ones we've watched. Um, but those are the ones that I'm like, yeah, these are these are better than those, in my opinion. I think, yeah, I think it does have a solid concept. Now, Mark. Just, yes. Do you know what time it is? Uh... Well, I hope you're going to say so we have to do something and not end the episode. I'm not sure what else there is to say, but what time is We've it? We've promised for the last two weeks to go over my Zemeckis rankings. When oh, that's here. right. That's right. Okay, Zemeckis <laughs> so, rankings. This, Robert Zemeckis crashes into the recording studio and goes, talk about me. <laughs> oh, that's a shame because I really used a lot of Zemeckis images on the Partly Cloudy episodes, so now it's we've okay. got... <laughs> it should, like, just be Zemeckis faces <laughs> instead of everything else. Okay, right, so I've what ranked, are your favorite Zemeckis films? I've ranked on Letterboxd 25 Zemeckis films. Now, I'll point out, to be very clear, really, he only has 22 films. Actually, looks like 21 films, because this includes two short films, one anthology film, and a documentary he did. Well, how do we want to how do we want to do this? How do we how do we want to figure this out? How do we want to play Just tell this? Tell us, tell us, tell us what your list is and why. The best Robert Zemeckis movie, as I already said on this podcast, in the number two are Back to the Future and Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Mm-hmm. I think right now Back to the Future is above it. Again, ask me next week. Could be Roger Rabbit above it. Mm-hmm. Now, the bigger question is what is rounds out the top five? Because the top five, these next three, all are nine out of tens to me. And those are Contact, Castaway, and I Want to Hold Your Hand. Have you seen these? I have not seen I Want to Hold Your Hand, and I have been trying to watch Contact on your recommendation, and I cannot get through it. Oh, well, because... it's probably not a you movie. It's a very um, very interstellar movie, and you hate interstellar. Wow, you you got me. Okay, <laughs> I was going to go into a whole deal, but yeah. <laughs> right. You, you know, speaking of which, I did have this thought of like a tag I could have dropped during the up episode. But I didn't want to because I didn't want to put Tessa into you talking about Guardians of the Galaxy. But I, I was saying to someone who I was talking to earlier about, you know, Guardians 3 is about to come out. And they're like, they're like someone who hates Guardians 2. And I was like, you know, Guardians 2 made me cry more than Up did this last watch. And I was mm-hmm. like, ooh, that's a take I should have dropped on the episode. Because Mark would have been like, about it. <laughs> Maybe. Didn't you, like, not cry at Wally? Everyone's on their own journey. I'm just, yeah, I'm just... Do you, Guardians do you know always what, makes me sob. That's all. Do Guardians you know too. what a wormhole is? So, okay, hold on. Let me. It's like when you fold a piece of paper over. So you they don't have do these that two in dots contact. And they're far. 
They do that in Interstellar. Yeah, my, that's actually not. That's it's funny that you say Interstellar because that is, that's basically my issue with Interstellar. My issue with Contact is I I don't know I just found it like slow and I there's the part where she's like because I didn't finish it I don't know if I'll I'll get around to it but it's like there's the part where she's like talking with the executives about oh you're why can't you have vision why can't you, you like see Clinton? what we're doing what did you get to Bill Clinton no but I know oh. about they used the clip of Bill Clinton they used multiple um, clips of Bill Clinton edit. <laughs> McConaughey and Jodie Foster into and Angela Bassett all into television broadcasts with Bill Clinton right there. I mean, if anyone can do it, it's him. It's it's crazy. Robert Zemeckis can like make any film that he wants. It's it's he's very it's cool. Very I just, true. Yeah, that's what Welcome it's, Tomorrow is. Is a man who can do whatever he wants. <laughs> but no, I th- I just think it's kind of like. It's so feel good about science, and I. Do you know just... how it ends? Have you been spoiled on how it ends? I know how it ends. Um, they make contact. They do make contact. It's just so like the way these people talk now to me sounds like the way that like tech CEOs talk, or they're like. It's like how Christopher Nolan like movies written. Have... It is. It's on percent That's what I gotta say. It sounds like Christopher Nolan's movies. To Maybe. Me. I feel like Christopher Nolan is a little more like he's not he's not like selling you a product because it's not like time travel or like dream technology. Um and there are other things like I really like like the team of scientists. And I Lauren love Fitchner. Yeah. And I love like the like she gets all this from her father and stuff like that. I just think the whole premise of like extraterrestrial life is like I feel like the the movie is a little bit credulous about that. And of course Carl Sagan is like all about this and everything like that too. I just think that like you know what like what <laughs> um and there's also a really great book, His Master's Voice by Stanislav Lem, who wrote Solaris about kind of why why the idea of extraterrestrial contact is like extremely complicated. And that's a great book. But anyway, I just, I don't know. I don't know if I'll finish Contact. I'm no. really glad for everyone who made it. And I think that it's great to, it's always good to have like a science movie, but not for me. Can I say my, uh, Favorite line from Interstellar. Sorry. What's your favorite line from Interstellar? Okay, I'm going to do the exchange, okay? Because I got to give you the building so you can hear the line. But the line before it is the teacher says, we don't want to repeat an access of the excess and wastefulness of the 20th century, and we need to teach t- kids about this planet, not tales of le- leaving it. Um, well, that's a pretty good line. Oh, wait. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I messed up. Let me give you oh, the no. full line, because that, that didn't actually lead you into that, okay? All right. This is what the teacher says. And I'll only say the first part, then I'll be like, and it's the stuff about, you don't repeat up the excess. But the thing before that is, the Soviets bankrupted themselves into pouring resources in, into rockets and other useless machines. We don't want to repeat blah, blah, blah. And then McConaughey replies, this is the line I wanted to point out, is one of those useless machines they used to make was called an MRI. 
And if we had any of those left, the doctors would have been able to find the cyst in my wife's brain before she died instead of afterwards. And she'd be the one listening to it instead of me, which would have been a good thing because she was always the calmer one. Just some classic Nolan exposition for you. <laughs> well, I forgot that line, but that's a pretty that's a pretty juicy line. I will say that. It's a pretty hard sell, I feel like, with how chunky the line is. <laughs> No, I'm. I like that it went places. That's actually like, I don't know. It's, that's that's like I'm going to tell you everything about multiple scenes and me and all of this. We're going to get it all done, and then I assume it like cuts back to her being. Yeah, the next line is her saying, "I'm sorry about your wife." No, it's just I'm sorry about your wife. <laughs> but your daughter got in a fight. <laughs> Um, oh my god, does I Interstellar, Interstellar have that thing where it's like, my daughter got in a fight, and why can't she protect herself? Yeah, it's that part of the movie, because she defends the moon landing happened, and <laughs> she gets in a fight over it. Which I guess like, makes sense, her dad three. wasn't working for NASA, so like, that checks out. I've ever told you my mm. other thing about Interstellar, where there's the line where he goes, when you become a parent, one thing becomes clear, and I always wish the line was, when you become a parent, one thing becomes apparent. that's pretty good (laughs) so we're down we're down you've mentioned castaway last uh no i mentioned i want to hold your hand last castaway oh okay and then to round out my top 10 is forrest gump yes i like it what lies beneath the polar express back to future 3 and used cars Use cars, and then Use death cars becomes is her. The one that I most want to see. It's it's good, and then death becomes her. And Back to the Future, no, death becomes her is my only one I gave four out of five that doesn't make my top ten. Why not? These are these are all why not? I mean, I just like used cars more, you know. And I'm mm. more into I'm more into like Zemeckis when he gets me kind of emotional with stuff, um, which is why although What Lies Beneath isn't emotional, it's just a horror movie, which is fun too. It's always fun, to like you know, like one of these auteurs like. You know, like, these mainstream auteurs where, like, their whole thing is, like, we're making movies for, like, the general audience, like Zemeckis's, when they decide, I'm going to make a horror movie. That's always fun, because you know they know how to they know how to do it. They just always choose not to. So when they actually do make something that's, like, fully horror, it's very exciting, which is what what lies beneath it. But then... So, do you, yes. yes, and now the ones that you hate. Well, I mean, no, the, there's a bunch of them that are, like, Marwin... Is after Back to Future 2 and Marwin are after Death Becomes Her, which are good. Then Flight, The Walk, Beowulf, I all, I all generally like to some degree. And then we get to the bad ones. Which, I won't mention the shorts or the documentary or the anthology film, because no one knows what they are. It's a but, losing battle with an anthology film. Yeah, his is the best part of it. Because it's like three shorts and his is the best one. But still, mm. it's rough. Um... But my, my hot take here is that Allied is bad. And the reason I said it's a hot take is like I think most people who like look at his new stuff, they'll be like, all of it's pretty rough except for Allied. Allied's good. And I'm like, mm, I'm, not, I'm not a big fan of Allied. It's kind of boring. Mm-hmm. Um, then A Christmas Carol. Oh, actually, you know, this is actually my hot take. I think Romancing the Stone is a bad movie. A lot of people point that out as like a classic of the adventure genre. I'm like, mm, nope, it's bad. This is boring and the leads have no chemistry and it sucks. And then the bottom two are The Witches and Pinocchio, which I think are pretty much everyone's bottom two. For gotcha. Zemeckis. I think The Witches has a really good first half hour, though. It's just once it becomes, like, the actual story where you, you've read The Witches or seen the first movie, right? 
it's been so long. But well, like, once it I, like the plot actually starts, it sucks. But the first part of it's really interesting because he transposes like you know lower class England to deep South black family, and mm. he actually like engages with that. And like this is really interesting to me. And Octavia Spencer's giving a really good performance. But then once they go to the hotel, all oh, that's just thrown out to be like a pretty standard like beat by beat adaptation of it, where like nothing is really. There's nothing that really matters about there being a black woman in the four, in the 60s, early 60s, staying in a fancy hotel in the, you know, you know what I'm saying? There's, it, it engages with yeah. race in the first half hour, and then it just completely forgets about it once it has to do the actual adaptation, which is, like, yeah. very disappointing. Yeah. So it's like, this had something interesting going for it. Instead, it's just a carbon copy of a movie from the 90s. Yeah. Well, I, I have no, I have no wisdom about that. I don't know if I'll get around to seeing The Witches. Was that well attended, The Witches? Oh, wait, a, that was one that they never showed, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was HBO Max, until HBO Max. So Gotcha. That one, yeah. Christmas Carol, and Pinocchio are ones I all watched at home. So Honestly, since they're all low, maybe. Oh, and Alan. I watched all... Alan and Castaway at home because I got sick at the screenings. Hearing all of that, I really thought Robert Zemeckis had, like, a few real stinkers. But hearing that, like, Christmas Carol and Pinocchio are at the bottom, it's like, eh. People just you don't know, like his uncanny I'm sure Valley those aren't stuff. good movies, but it's like the it's, his worst movies are so much better than a lot of the things that people make. Just like conceptually more interesting. It's yeah, just kind I, of like if someone tells me they think Beowulf or The Walk are bad, I'm not gonna really argue with them even if I like because those are like three out of fives to me. I'm not gonna argue with people who don't like Beowulf or The Walk, but I will say these movies are clearly so much better crafted than a lot of other bad movies out there. Yeah. I clearly have more on their mind. Yeah. I love Beowulf. I hope that we get to talk about it someday, but who knows? I don't know if I, I, see, I, don't know if I can sit for Beowulf again anytime soon. Oh, that's... But maybe it won't be I, soon, so... I mean, Beowulf, I just really like the poem in whatever uh, I've translation never read the poem. I've read of it. So, uh, I mean, it's, you know, it's... It's just fun to read, and I I do like. It's it's so it's like dark. Criticism. It's fun to write and to read. Yes. Sorry. Go ahead. Well, Beowulf is so is so dark, and it always seems like everyone is about to die. I think this is something I read, and then I agree with it. Is that Beowulf seems like it, it is about the this clan or whoever like about to die, and the world is about to end, or something like that. And reading the poem, it really feels that way in a way that translated to it's like an action movie it doesn't feel exactly as hopeless and yet still engaging as the book does well so one thing the guys really like who introduced it said they said two things one they said this is going to be really perverse so we're showing this to you on 35 millimeter which i agree with um mm. and then they also were like zemeckis said in interviews that he didn't like the original poem and this is him kind of taking the piss on it while also trying to adapt it. And mm -hmm. viewing it from that viewpoint, it's like, even if I haven't read the poem, I can definitely see where it comes, where the humor comes from in this. Because it doesn't ever yeah. really subvert expectations or like go like, oh, isn't this stupid? It just points out the idiocy that naturally comes when you read some of these epical stories because characters just make dumb decisions sometimes, right? Yeah. Well, I think that's like... That's part of it, is you, I recognize the idiocy in the original Beowulf, but because it's, like, 
there's there's no commentary on it, so it's a little like watching a Transformers movie. So you just know all of the characters are like terrible and really frustrating, or you don't agree with them or whatever. But because of the scale of everything, I at least like I forgive it that. I feel like I'm I have that that perspective about Beowulf. And one thing I wanted to say, using the next transition back to up is mm-hmm. It's a thought I wanted to say last week about Up, but I forgot about it. And the Polar Express actually gives me this really, and the walk, and basically Beowulf, all give me this opportunity to talk about it. And the Christmas Carol. Which is that, we mentioned that Up was Pixar's first film released in 3D. And I think that's something that we actually, I should have mentioned a bit more, because there are moments in that movie where they very distractingly do the He's putting his cane in our face type of thing. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the only time oh, Pixar ever really did that in Up. Yeah. Because I think later on they, they're like, yeah, this is dumb. <laughs> like, we shouldn't do this and date our movie that way. Wait, what? In Up, the film Up, there are moments of it where Carl will, like, you know, put his cane out at the screen a bit. Or, like, Kevin will, like, stick his head out towards the screen. And it's a little... It's done a little better because, you know, Pixar still knows not to make it too obvious, but if you're looking for it, you know it's there. Like the 3D bits. Oh, well, I mean, I didn't. I guess I didn't notice that. I noticed it more thinking about it afterward that it has so much depth. I don't know if this is something... I don't remember if we mentioned this with Tessa that I feel like Up plays with 3D and depth as opposed to what a lot of people well, do with 3D, which is like nearness. I agree with that, too. I definitely think there are some... And I think it's a very good fit for 3D because of it, because there's so many shots of it where, like, they're just looking down. Or, like, I think of that shot of, like, specifically in the climax where Up... Not Up. The characters are named Up. Um, and Russell mm-hmm. is hanging off of the, the host. He looks down, and it's like, oh, that's great how high you are right now. It's crazy. But, yeah, I agree that it does play more in that space. It does, though, also have the um, the pointy out at you thing, you know, 3D, too, I think. Yeah. So you're but, saying you know, that it was wise of something... not to do that? What? Never mind. Go on. You you had some. Well, I was going to say it with the Mac. As I said this with the walk, is that you watch the walk and you can tell it's meant to be in 3D because of the depth, and that is the thought I had when watching Up a lot of times too. It's the skyscrapers mm. of the walk and yeah, <laughs> flying house of Up. Obviously, it's so interesting. I yeah. am so. Uh, it, this reminds me of all the best things that I remember from Way of Water, which I still feel lukewarm about, but the things that I liked about it really are much bigger in my mind. Like, for example, the 3D and the higher frame rate and everything like that. I'm just glad that that... I'm just thinking about that as a movie that really, like, went for it technically in a way that we I don't think we've seen in a long time. Like you said, when movies were playing with 3D a lot, and they had all these moments that were like, this movie's in 3D, ah, now you've got 3D in your face. And Avatar I really wish, that's the one, that's does other really, crazy things. That's got me, so, famously, I don't know if I actually I've mentioned this on this podcast, but I we recently got an Alamo here, and I got mad about it, because I don't really like the Alamo Draft House, and the fact that they opened like two blocks away from the music box, I think is ridiculous when we have a huge city. Um, but the other thing that gives me mad about the Alamo is that I know the Alamo in New York has a 3D screen, and to me, the idea of if we had an Alamo that was showing, like, repertory stuff in 3D, 
then I'd be like, yeah, okay, I guess I have to go check it out. Because, like, there are so many stuff in 3D I would love to see again in 3D. Or that I missed in... Like, I never saw Life of Pi in 3D. I would love to see Life of Pi in 3D. Um, mm-hmm. But I remember they opened, I checked the show times, and all the Avatar The Way of Water times were in 2D. I'm like, so you're telling me they don't have a 3D screen at this? So what's the point of you even giving me this? <laughs> like, the, yeah. Especially, like... like just to me, it's like, if you're going to open a new theater in the time that we're going to about to get a ton of Avatar sequels and you're not putting a 3D screen, I'm just like, what? What are you doing here? <laughs> yeah. Can I ask you, have you been to many Alamo draft houses? I've been to one in California. I think I've been... Maybe it's just been that one? I don't know. I just don't... I, I, I went to the dine-in one in New York. That's the Nighthawk. I just don't like dine-in theaters. Or at least dine-in okay. theaters like that. I don't mind the AMC... Where their diamonds is you order it as you go in and then they deliver it to you. I don't like people walking in and out. Like, do you want to have a drink? Do you want this? Do you want I'm like stop it. Stop. I'm just trying to watch the movie. Well, I gotta tell you what, I hope I haven't said this before, but I saw way back when I saw Triangle of Sadness kind of I'm by so accident at that at one of the Nighthawks. And it was just cause I like we got out of a job early, so I was just in the neighborhood and um i didn't know what to do because i had never been to like a dine-in movie theater before so i didn't know what to order and i don't i don't think i i didn't get anything uh, um but i just thought it was funny that it was like a dine-in thing during triangle of sadness where it is like <laughs> vomiting everywhere <laughs> this yeah. is so much vomiting <laughs> and, i just... yeah my other thing is the Alamos. I have no desire to ever go to the one here because it's like fifteen dollars ticket, and it's like they're showing all the stuff that's like at the AMC that I have a subscription to. So it's like, mm-hmm. why would I ever bother going? And also, here's the other thing too: is I mean, I just don't mind this as much because we have the music box in Cisco Center, but apparently they don't even have a film projector. So it's like, what's the point of this? Like, who? <laughs> I think it's it's interesting if you go. I would imagine it would be fun if you go to see something that you're not super invested in. Like Jack like, and Jill? Well, not like Jack and Jill, like you think you're going to hate it, but just something like, not Triangle of Sadness, but the Nighthawk around here does all this programming that's like, here's, it's like for example, I would love to go to the Matrix Reloaded, I don't think I will, but just watching some fun action movie would be great to just be like, oh, no, I want a beer, like, this will be a little bit heady, it'll be entertaining, I just have something to eat. And it's kind of expensive, but I don't know. I'm just, I'm much, after I went, I kind of get it. Although I definitely wouldn't, like, I think, like, a movie like Tar would be weird to watch in a Nighthawk. Or, like, anything very slow. I just look at the Alamo and I'm like, the stuff they show, like, okay, I opened up the Alamo page right now. I'm looking at the stuff they have as a, air quotes, repertory screening coming up in the next few months. Because, you know, those are all, they have, they live on Tuesday, which would be cool, I guess. But the music box would probably show that sometime, right? Mm-hmm. I'm more interested, like, I'll put it this way. If I'm going to go to Alamo for a repertory screening, I'll see something like um, Mean Girls, right? Where, yeah, the music box might show that, but do I need to see Mean Girls, like, at the music box? No. Or, yeah. like, Legally Blonde. Yeah. But they're not going to do that. They're not cool enough. Yeah, they, they actually do have Legally Blonde, but it's, like, one of their movie party things where it costs a ton of money. So it's like, no, yeah. thank you. That's interesting. They also have an 11 a.m. time for on a Sunday of Memorial Day weekend for the Deer Hunter, which is bizarre. Hell to me. yeah! 
get snuck back some beers and watch the deer hunter. You know, I'll be honest. If I was in town on Memorial Day, I would maybe finally check them out for Goldeneye because they're showing Goldeneye on Memorial Day. Maybe mm. I would finally go see Goldeneye. See, like a James Bond movie might be a good thing to just like get some drinks during. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's funny that you mentioned that it's like the expensive option for you because AMC is the more expensive option. Because you're not an A-list. Yeah. What's it? What does that cost you? I don't know. Well, for you it would be like twenty five bucks. It's different in your city, but twenty five dollars a month that pays for itself if you go to one IMAX movie. Yeah. So get it for Oppenheimer. I don't know. Everything is so much money. Uh, when is that coming soon, Oppenheimer? Yeah, it's coming in July. Maybe July. I'll visit you for oh, it. Well, that's a Wink. Bit of time. Oh, is that real? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe oh, okay. it's maybe real though. I have to get the day off from work. Okay. Um, and I'm well, not. I'd hate... I'm not visiting you for it. No offense. I'm visiting other people who are having a meetup in New York. But I'd probably meet up with you too. Okay. Well, if you're meeting other people, I was gonna say I was thinking about you know. In the future, when I have money, maybe doing the Barbie Oppenheimer double feature day. Ooh. But well, I don't we know might be doing that with people. I together. might be doing that with people already. But you're welcome to join. Mm. Well, random people maybe. you don't know. <laughs> well, I don't know. Uh, it's, yeah. it's some it's whatever. Whatever. What are our thoughts on the Up? All right. These one movies. last thing about Up. Mm-hmm. This is the other thing I was going to say. I, I said I texted you I was like I forgot to say this thing last week. Is that Up has the same plot of the recent film A Man Called Otto? Ah, so, everyone check out A Man Called Otto if you want. Does he get a house? No, it's about him. The, the similarity is, and this isn't a spoiler, even though it's not in the marketing at all for A Man Called Otto. It's about a man whose wife dies, and in response, he tries to commit suicide. That's what A Man Called Otto is about. <laughs> Does he keep like failing hilariously? What is yes. the movie about, <laughs> yes. though? <laughs> yes that is what the movie is oh wow okay but it's also like a tom hanks weepy uh weepy you know like it is still designed oh. to make you cry i guess that's why i haven't seen much advertising for a man called otto other than that i know the name of it a man called <laughs> carl that's what up is shall we wrap it up yeah um i guess i give this i'm gonna be very lame i'll give george and aj some animation <laughs> give tug special mission some chocolate so it can die <laughs> wow okay um wow i'm, I'm in gonna... silhouette this entire time you never said yeah well i don't know we're rolling <laughs> this entire episode it's just been like i'm an anonymous, <laughs> I'm an anonymous yeah guy. we're talking to danny to protect his identity <laughs> i guess i'll give I didn't it even notice. like oh well yeah yeah you're in silhouette i'm watching i only you. ever see you when i record because i usually have the other you know, the the window open to the other side, and it blocks me. Oh, I can't deal with that. What if I have, like, something embarrassing in the background of my closet? I'm gonna give both of these guys the AMC A-list subscription. Why, so, so you can go see Oppenheimer? Like I, like I gave Carl last time. Yeah, you know what? These these guys didn't get a lot of love. This the a, Georgian AJ was released on iTunes... And they, you know, don't have the commentary track anymore on Disney Plus. Let's all let's take them out for a big day. Let's go do the Barbie Oppenheimer double feature, and just give them some love. I did forget to say, um, the director of George and AJ, Ronnie Del Carmen, is the guy who does Doug Special Mission. I think he just kind of, he like bums around Pixar a little bit, like Inside Out. 
you know, he co-directs and writes, but then he kind of, I think he's left Pixar by now. I don't know if he's still working on anything there. Oh no, apparently he's an elemental. He's voicing a character named Bernie Lumen. What a mm. name. But he's yet to yeah. direct a movie. But Josh Cooley, who directed George and AJ, goes on to do Toy Story 4. And the upcoming detour of ours, Transformers 1, which I think is the most annoying title I've ever heard in my life. I can't believe it's not one of the mainline Transformers movies. That's so disappointing. I just think but. the idea of being like, we're making an anime Transformers movie. Okay, what's the title? Transformers 1. No, it's stupid. What am I supposed to call it 2007 one now? Yeah. <laughs> Transformers. Oh, man. what? I wish it were like a cool year or something like that. Oh, my gosh. Keegan-Michael Key is playing Bumblebee? I missed that. Cool. Do you want to the cast? No, but tell it to me. Well, as we've said before, Chris Hemsworth is Optimus Prime. Brian Tyree Henry is Megatron. Scarlett Johansson. Oh, well, there you go. What the yeah. fuck? Brian Tyree Henry is Megatron. I'm glad we're watching this. Uh, Scarlett Johansson is Alita. Not Alita, like Battle Angel. Elita. And Kika Michael okay. is Bumblebee. And John Hamm is Sentinel Prime, who's Leonard um, Nimoy's character in the movies. And, oh. um, and Lawrence Fishburne is someone named Alpha Trion. Hmm. So is it like 3D or is it like it's 2D? Anim- no, it's animated by ILM. We've only previously done the animation for Rango. Wow. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Yep. What do we do next time, Danny? Next time we'll be doing... It's our 50th episode, so we won't be celebrating. Uh, <laughs> we will be covering two shorts again. One of them is a cartoon called Unidentified Flying Mater. And the other is a short film that was in front of Toy Story 3. And that is called Day and Night. And we're not celebrating because we're celebrating in the next episode because we've got a big thing coming up after that. It's fun to be dramatic about. Yeah, but no one will know what what we were talking about that I cut out of the episode. So I want it to be like, that's why we're not celebrating the 50th episode. Like, we'll say something, but... Anyway, we definitely had a a great time this episode talking about Doug's special mission. And George and AJ, and talking about absolutely nothing else at all. We talked about that for the full hour, guys. Yeah. Yeah. You start the end credits. That's what I'm waiting on. You, you start. Oh, we're doing the end credits. That's right. <laughs> Jesus Christ, I forgot that. We... You're like, okay, okay. let's go. <laughs> like, okay. I'm for you, Mark. All right. Looking for the Ocean is produced by Mark Young and Danny Vincent. The show is edited by Mark Young. Our original artwork was designed by Sarah Knopf. You can follow us on social media at Facebook at Looking for the Ocean, Instagram at Looking for the Ocean Pod, and Twitter at Pixar Journey, and on our website, Looking for the Ocean. Sorry, Looking at the Ocean Pixar. You can follow me on MarkYoungPerformer.com. It also has my socials. You can also follow me, Danny Blankman's on Letterbox. You people of the future, you know my opinion on Guardians of the Galaxy Theory right now. I'm still nervous about it. You, you, you will listen to me like, ha, 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 ha. He doesn't know what he's getting into. Well, guess what? Uh, you can you can find out now on Letterboxd, I guess. I don't know where, where this came from. Uh, you listen to our podcast, The Stump Club, where we talk about movies that the most Oscar often no wins. Um, oh, you can picture a wormhole by folding a sheet of paper in half. It's apparent. <laughs>